This episode of FileMaker Talk is sponsored by Excellus. Quality custom FileMaker development and consulting. Excellus. Home of the X-Files, including XBiz Tracker 2.0, a completely free and unlocked jumpstart solution based on best practices. Excellus. Free FileMaker tips and tricks, demo files, and white papers. Excellus. Go to Excellusys.com. E-X-C-E-L-I-S-Y-S dot com. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. On this episode, we've got Jeff Ryle, the president and co-founder of Excelsis, and his right-hand man, Andy Persons, the lead developer. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Glad to be man. here. One at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. There's been a lot of stuff going on. You guys were recently on an episode with Mike, another guy who works with you, of the Adatasol FileMaker podcast, my old stomping ground. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounded really good. I like that one. So I don't want to cover the, some of the same stuff there, but I want to go into some more detail. And I had some other questions. I wanted more at the end of that. So I thought I'd have you on here and, and talk more. Before we get into the interview questions that we've talked about, let's talk about things that are not FileMaker. So, Jeff, I heard that you're really excited about the Yes and Asia tour that's coming up this summer. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know. I'll well, be there. Oh, you know, I'm a I'm a huge yes fan. Asia, not so much, but no. As I was saying, I, I think that. So you're a yes man. I'm a yes man <laughs> all the way. Sas Cristo. I think that promises to be uh, probably the most annoying tour pairing this summer. Uh, <laughs> but it should be interesting. Certainly, Steve Howe's going to be working like a dog all night long playing with both bands. See, you actually knew he played with both bands. Yeah, yeah I was one of those sure. idiots that lined up as a as a young person (laughs) very early in the morning to get tickets to see asia when the tour was announced but they skillfully announced the tour before the album came out once the album came out i was tempted to sell those tickets (laughs) i only remember one asia hit but i remember there was a lot of yes songs that were pretty big back in the day well yes uh has always been uh technically very uh very skillful especially steve howe but uh very different. You know, you listen to their music and it starts to go somewhere. And as a musician myself, I think, how did they think to go there? I mean, that's just... Yeah. How did they get that idea? That's what Prague's all about, though, man. Oh, definitely. And they're the champions of it. Yeah, for sure. Interestingly, my It's Not FileMaker this week is a music act. It's a, a woman named Brandy Carlisle, B-R-A-N-D-I-C-A-R-L-I-L-E. No relation to any of the other Carlisles we know. For me, as a musician, as a guitarist, usually I'm driven by like guitar-heavy music, you know, Clapton, and there's a guy named Robin Ford who's an amazing blues guy, and oh yeah, that's the kind of music that I'm usually drawn to. But this is not really guitar content; it's really emotional voice content. But it, it was enough to really hook me, so I'd recommend people check that out. Andy, what's your? It's not FileMaker this week. Unlike you guys, I don't have a life, so it's another technology thing. Um, it's <laughs> it's an iPhone app. It's been out, out a while, actually, but it, it seems very cool to me. It's called Snaptel, S-N-A-P-T-E-L-L. It uh, allows you to take a photograph of a book cover, CD cover, or video game, or DVD, and it will identify it from the from the image, and then it will look it up. It'll tell you the Amazon price. Uh, it'll Based on your location, it'll tell you the price of local retailers, so... It's kind of a similar concept, but not as thorough, of course, as the uh, the Google. There's an app on the Google phone that does it based on barcode. So th- that'll work with any barcode. This one only works with 
the images that I, I mentioned. I think things like that, though, are pretty – it's one of those things that seems like they're pretty revolutionary once they get a certain saturation with people because, you know, it's the ultimate comparison shopping. I even imagine that retailers probably would want to – I think some places like Best Buy try to stop people from taking photographs, and some places do. So I could see why they want to do that, but it seems very powerful for consumers to be able to just tell if you're getting the best deal or not. This program called uh, it's a Mac only solution called Delicious Library. It does the same kind of thing. Yes, yeah. built in a camera on your your MacBook, and it'll read the barcode off of any of your media. So it, it's not just uh, DVDs, right? Uh, CDs and games and books. It reads the barcode and it goes up to uh, Amazon, downloads the cover for your uh, inventory. Yeah, credits. Uh, well, you have an inventory, but it it also has a very cool check in and out feature, so you can track who you loaned. <laughs> these things too it's like your and, own personal uh, library system oh, it's, yeah it's come in handy let now, me tell here's, you here's here's a i'll follow up with a tip for you on that uh the people that sell the delicious library sell a usb a bluetooth usb device that you can take and and it will scan it and then load it via bluetooth so you don't have to lug your um your laptop around oh so it stores it in the device and then you can no it, no, it transfers it via bluetooth in real time yeah very cool. You know, all this I, stuff is solving a problem that was a 20th century problem, which is tracking physical media. Come yeah. on, step into the 21st century, man. Buy, <laughs> That's right. Everything's digital. <laughs> everything's digital. Get your it's, movies and your get yourself songs a, on the get iTunes Get yourself store. 10 terabytes via Drobo. And, yeah, exactly. You know, move the- <laughs> I have two Drobos sitting here. <laughs> Drobos are awesome. <laughs> one for music and one for movies. <laughs> Drobos rock, definitely. Do you, and they have the new 8-bay Drobo that just came out, high-end one. That's a sand, right? Doesn't it almost double like? That's not like a sand, but it it gives some similar um, capabilities. I thought. Yeah, I thought maybe. It, well, I think yeah. the regular Drobo also has oh. an Ethernet, not built no, in. The newest, you have to buy the newest one, yeah, it uh, does Ethernet, but it's not for network. It actually uses there's a I forget the name of the technology, but it gives you very high speed. Right, right, right. I over think it's Ethernet, like ten gigabit too. It's yeah, it's yeah, like it's, really it's but fast. even though it uses Ethernet, it's only for one machine, but it gives you super high right speed. Faster than SATA, faster than Firewire. Firewire. Yeah. 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 Of course, SATA is already oh. faster than Firewire as a port. Right, right. So that covers that. And by the way, I can't, I can't ever really diss you about an iPhone application. as an, It's not FileMaker because if you listen to the podcast, about 60% of the time, Matt and I are picking iPhone apps as our, as our thing. Oh, it's, there's so many cool yeah. ones. I take a lot of grief for how much I love my iPhone. So I love mine too, and I get new apps all the time. Most of yep. the apps, though, I don't really use much past a little bit. Right. Um, some of them are really, you know, really, really useful, but other ones not so much. Have you guys actually implemented uh, FM Touch for anybody, for clients? Actually, no, it hasn't come up, but uh, we are big fans of that solution. It's pretty cool. I've downloaded it and implemented it to one client, and it worked great. I'm looking for places to use it more. So let's see. FileMaker Cool. I have a little tip that some people might know, but it's pretty good as you're working with triggering. And that is you can, in layout mode, you can command double-click on an object, on a field, and it brings up the trigger palette. I think you guys both knew that one, right? When you, when you mentioned it, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, I learned that one about a month ago, and it's very handy. That's a good one. I, I don't know if it was documented. I think Vince Bonanno told me about it, and I was like, wow, that's going to save me some time. Oh, yeah, I found it by accident, actually. I'm a big fan of shortcuts like that. I use quick keys all the time to fill in the gaps. Um, you mean the actual up. commercial quick keys program that you build your own shortcuts? Yes. Oh, okay. And then also even doing things such as simulating mouse clicks to launch uh, dialogues and such. 
So cool. I'm, I'm a nerd. And then you had another biomaker cool, which was uh, some actual examples of set field by name. I had some theoretical ones, and Jeff, I think, has some uh, specific ones. But it's one of those sleeper features, kind of like the list function in previous ones where it uh, it may seem innocuous, but it has um, a lot of uh, implications. I'll defer to Jeff on a specific example. Well, I can actually throw one in. Uh, what we're going to be talking about next is some of the examples you guys have on your website. And one of the best, most obvious uses of it was what you have on your uh, script trigger example file. That's Type right. Yep. Yeah, where you choose a field from a list, and then you start typing character by character, and the script triggers as you type each character. And the script is like two lines of code. It basically right. says set field by name from the drop-down list so that it knows from the list, which is great, and then does a search in only that one field for what you're typing. That's a great example of portability that uh, Jeff had mentioned offline that you can easily add. All you have to do is add a new field, I mean, you know, and then add it to the list. You can, uh, you can make your code very easy to expand and very applicable to uh, multiple situations. So I think Mike did a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Just drop it into any solution, and you're up and running very quickly. So, Jeff, what are some, or some of your examples? Well, we had a client come to us who was uh, building a rather large database in terms of uh, the number of records he was tracking, and, and he's pulling data from all sorts of other websites from his manufacturers that he represents, and he's going to push all this information up to a Yahoo shopping cart, and he decided to break everything down into separate fields, um, even the description, so he could have uh, very specific line breaks for each line of a description, but all sorts of other fields, too, obviously, mm-hmm. that, that make up each particular product's listing on this uh, shopping cart. So he, he had a lot of redundant fields, and uh, f- next to each field, he had a container that would change from uh, yellow to red to green that would indicate very quickly what was happening with that particular field it was next to, whether that field was uh, blank because it hadn't been gotten to yet, or it was blank because it was intentionally left blank, mm-hmm. uh, or, or it was ready for export. And uh, he also had this sort of table of contents list on the far left where he could click on any one of those. And, and by the way, the, the little red, green, yellow container indicator was there as well. And it would, by clicking, it would take him directly to the appropriate tab on the layout and the appropriate field. So the set field by name came in real handy because, and we were using script triggers as well in combination, because all we had to do was change the parameters that were being passed on to the script. So he just copied and pasted, uh, uh, you know, or not copy and pasted, but he was actually triggering the same script over and over and just changing the variables, changing the parameters that he's passing. So he was just stunned because he was doing everything the hard way, (laughs) not knowing any better. And this uh, allowed him to eliminate all sorts of code. I mean, you, you should have seen the scripts before, and now it's something very, very simple and easy to replicate. Here's another aspect that sort of just occurred to me is anytime you're, you're copying scripts from one solution to another, you've noticed that on the right side in the past where there's text, if it can't resolve all the, uh, tape, all the field references, mm-hmm. that it'll just enclose the whole thing in comments, Right. Right. But on the left side, where it's it's not text, it's doing direct things, it'll just say field not found. Right. So this helps portability in that sense because it's often easier just to go in and see. You can see the actual stuff that's been commented out, make any adjustments you need to, as opposed to a bunch of unhelpful field not found. 
Right. Good point. I guess if you so. build in the past to get around that, we've built scripts that says go to object name, or, you know, go to object, and then set field without specifying a name. That was the old indirection trick before we had sure. one script step. Which is it. which is a clever workaround yeah. based on the situation. But this is a you know the kind of like the this right way to re- do it based on file makers, and it's kind of their trend of doing more things in text like traditional programming, right? Right. Which always allows for more portability because it puts more power in the hands of the developer. Exactly. So we're on the same page there. This is a very good thing. And I love when FileMaker brings features out that simplify code. Absolutely. And And let's face it, it, developers are a lazy bunch. So anything that's going to save time, especially replicating functionality in in other solutions, that's going to be a big boon. Well, I I agree that I'm lazy, but it's also, you know, (laughs) and I'm sure it was was tongue-in-cheek, but as we know, time is money. So anything that can save time like that is cash in your pocket. You know, there are developers I know who wear the the lazy badge proudly. They see the positive side of it, and I totally see it, too, actually, upon reflection. Call it efficient. (laughs) Efficient, working smart, absolutely. But you certainly don't want code where you have to keep doing the same thing again and again, or, or fields where you have to make a change. It's not just saving work, it's the whole human error thing. Once you get something working properly, you know, you want to reuse it. Be, you right. want to... Absolutely. You don't want to have to debug endlessly. So. Yeah. I love it when you can take a script and just copy it lock, stock, and barrel into another solution and have it work the same way. Yep. It's a lot of work to get to that point, but mm-hmm. it's worth it. But we can change the meaning of the word lazy, just like we changed the meaning of the word geek. <laughs> used, yes. to be a, used to be a bad word. Now it's a good word. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so let's see. Let's get on to some of the, the meat of the interview. I guess we've already sort of been doing that. But you guys have been doing some really cool example files. Um, the two recently are this type ahead search thing and the drag and drop example, which has several different examples in it. So tell me more about the drag and drop examples uh, well, the impetus for it came actually from um, a previous tip file I had done, which was the hierarchical portals, um, and that's one of the examples in the file. And like most things in, in, in programming in general, and especially in FileMaker, it's any progress is um, driven by a problem you're trying to solve, uh, necessities, the mother invention, and so forth. So in this case, it was probably the most often requested feature is people want to be able to drag a record into another record to set it as the parent, to, you know, to change what child's were, just like you do in, in a file system, in the mm-hmm. finder. Right. So, and I played around with it, and I'd come to the conclusion that without a plugin that would trigger a script, it just wasn't possible. I tried every possible way I could do it. Or I had, um, I thought it was, it was also possible with drag and drop with text selection. I, um, actually, not even that. It wasn't even possible there. All right, I'll, I'll back up. It is possible, but it wasn't very elegant. Mm-hmm. So in this case, when I, as soon as I saw that FileMaker 10 included triggered scripts, I, um, I thought there had to be a way to do it. So um, what it does is, I don't know how, how much in depth you want to get right off the bat, but it simulates the ability to drag and drop objects you could, as though you're dragging your record from one location to another. Right, so you've got a few examples of that. One of them is, is imagine two portals and moving records from one portal to another by dragging a specific line from one to the other, and it deletes mm-hmm. it from the left portal and adds it to the right portal. Correct. That one works great because it doesn't require... And so, so what you don't get with FileMaker is you don't get the visual 
graphic object changing and an insertion point. So imagine, like, for example, moving songs around in iTunes and dragging a song or a group of songs to a playlist. You get really nice visual feedback that FileMaker doesn't give you. Sure. But what you do get is you get the effect of the thing moving from place A to place B. Right, and you actually get, um, as a serendipitous uh, event there, is that you get the highlight uh, that FileMaker puts around when you're dragging an object into uh, into a field. Right. It gives you the preview, so you get that visual confirmation of where you're going to drop it. Right. And so then, that's kind of nice. And the next example is moving something within a list to resort it. So grab right. something from position three and moving it down to position six or something, and then have it just change on the fly. And those two right. things are really good because they don't really uh, the the problem doesn't come in of are you putting something into an object or between two objects. It's pretty if you drag it two on top of the third position, you know it's going to go there, and what's in three is going to move down, kind of a thing. Actually, and I'm glad you noticed that because that took some very specific programming to detect. Because it actually changes the the calculations, um, whether you're dragging something down the list or up the list. Because hmm. when you're dragging down, you want to shift everything up. I just thought it was magic. Yes, it is actually. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, it's it's just sort of thinking what would the user expect? What would be the expected behavior? And the expected behavior is that they it's going to stay where they put it. Right. So, but yeah, if you're dragging it down, then you you're moving everything else up. And if you're dragging it up, you're moving everything else down. So you right. had to do some specific programming to do that. And then the last example was the hierarchy one. And that one was really cool. It did the same thing, except I couldn't figure out how to way uh, to get it out of a hierarchy once I put it into a hierarchy. So if you think about moving things, like if you... You mean got, to, the, to the root level? Yeah, or even just yeah. up one level. Just up a level, yeah. Well, think about well, actually... Well, if it's up a level, you just drag it into the parent of that one. But there is no parent of the root level. That's a good point that that needs to be updated. There's a few things that were overlooked, and that's one of them. So I guess for me, as cool as that last example was of hierarchies, I think it just needs a little bit more visual feedback that you just can't get from FileMaker to make that work. Uh, of course, we could do these things with jQuery and JavaScript and <laughs> still well, act on FileMaker data, but do it in other ways. There's a, that's actually good, and, and there are a lot more things you can do to give you the visual feedback you're talking about. We have a third... Uh, demo file called Advanced Hierarchical Portals that explores some other things you can do with that, such as the hoist, that, uh, that it's a term that was used by Omni, I think, in their outliner, where you essentially take one item in a hierarchy and you make it the root level, so you're only seeing its children, its ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that are doing finds, and then also other visual things, such as when you highlight something it does a darker highlight on it and then a lighter highlight on all its children. You can do things like that, but at least when I'm making these tip files, what I try to do is keep them focused right. on communicating a specific technique because if I did one, I could do one with all of those items and it'd be, it would be pretty, I think, I, at least I think it would be pretty slick. It would show you all these things, but it would also be very dense for somebody to try to delve into. Yeah. Because it would be encountering a whole lot of techniques all at the same time, so I don't want to make it sound like an evasion or a or an apologetic, but that is one of my primary constraints is trying to communicate a single. So in this one, it was like uh, we've said, it's kind of a prerequisite if you want to understand how the hierarchical one looks, is to down- download that separate one. In this case, it was simply showing that 
this is one of the applications of the drag and drop. It was focused on drag and drop. Right, primarily. exactly. Yeah, and that was really cool. That was something I hadn't seen before, and I dug it. Hierarchies, there's there's actually a couple of other files that people should look at. Uh, Matt Petrowski has an unlimited hierarchy level uh, sample file as part of his uh, normal stream of videos that he comes up with all the time, which is amazing. So people should check that out. And there's also a commercial product available from Seedcode that does hierarchies that are is basically designed to be implemented into an existing solution. Interesting. Okay. And that has, you know... I actually haven't taken a look at that one yet. Sindler stuff is always really visually beautiful. Uh, so oh, I agree. That one has really nice-looking stuff and, and really well-documented and well-thought-out. Yeah, they do good work. So what are the next um, things you're going to be doing? Are there going to be other script trigger example files, or what's next? Well, uh, we personally... Actually, go, ahead, go ahead, Jeff. One at a time. <laughs> <laughs> personally, I don't have anyone in the works right now, partly because, as we as Jeff said offline, that we have clients, and so sometimes our time is limited. This particular one was one that has sort of been bubbling in my mind so it kind of just popped out i don't have i think there's a i think script triggers have a huge number of applications primarily i think the big one is one that you can't really demo or doesn't make a an exciting demo but it's um just good programming approaches uh, simplifying your code things such as in the past you know we've all had situations where you, you you need to essentially run a script anytime you come anytime a certain layout is shown so you've always had to bury it in your navigation and prevent the user from going there and now you can just uh, make it an event trigger. And it kind of brings FileMaker much more in line with other programming languages where events have been around for a long time. So you right. can just have a it's, – it's kind of a – it's one of those things that was similar to when FileMaker 7 came out. It's kind of a paradigm shift in how developers approach programming. And so I think it will take a while for a lot of FileMaker developers to get their head around um, just the change in approach. But those things don't really lend themselves. And I haven't really played around personally. Um, with all of the ways you can do it, but I have a, I, I know that there's a lot of other tips and tricks that have already been put out. So, cool. short answer is I don't have any plans right now. But actually, you know, we have a whole team of developers, and one of the things we've done for the last three or four years now is we have a we have a contest. We actually have two, but one of the contests is, and this is just internal for our Excelsis team members. Mm-hmm. It, it's a tip contest, tip or trick or white paper. Uh, very similar to the things we've already talked about that we have on our website, and uh, we put all of those tips and tricks uh, on the um, on the preceding CD-ROM that comes with every registration, everybody who attends DevCon. But uh, what we do in this contest is uh, we have a first prize and a runner-up for the best tip, and first prize winner gets a completely full ride to DevCon, their flight, their hotel, the registration uh, for the whole the whole show, wow. and of course, uh, you know, if they're hanging out with us, they're getting fed and, and other things as well. <laughs> Cigars, for sure. Or maybe not this year, huh? Because <laughs> some of you uh, guys not quit if, smoking. <laughs> uh, not if it's indoors, certainly. But yeah. uh, I think we only got one smoker left, and he knows who he is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we think it's pretty generous uh, if we do say it to ourselves. The runner-up gets uh, half off their registration, and uh, we pay for half of their hotel and, and their flight. So other than that, we, we also offer other incentives and discounts for any one of our team to, to go to DevCon because we think it's very valuable. Does the person who comes in last get fired? <laughs> no, but, but they're subject to public ridicule. So. <laughs> Which is, amounts to the same thing, maybe. So as you work with customers and extend what FileMaker can do, what are the technologies you're using, like PHP, iPhone apps? Are you using MySQL? Are you using uh, a lot of plugins and which plugins? 
we're definitely getting into iPhone apps, uh, but kind of slowly because it's a very saturated market and we want to be very careful with, uh, with what we do. But um, we're very heavy in PHP, MySQL, doing also integration with FileMaker and external database sources. And Andy, he's, he's been working with uh, Flex technology for the past year. Andy, you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, another thing, I've been getting into it slower than I would, uh, more slowly than I would like due to clients. But uh, integrating it, yeah, I've been working with making calendar applications. I'm a big fan of it, especially coming from FileMaker because uh, Flex uses an object-oriented programming uh, mm-hmm. language. But uh, I think it integrates well with FileMaker, just drawing data from it or as a web viewer. So I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Cool. When you integrate Flex with a solution, how do you typically do that? Do you do like most of it in Flex and parts of it in FileMaker or use it for the graphical um, presentation part? At this point, it's more, mostly been, well, it's been a variety of things. Uh, one of them is as a calendar. So in that case, it's Flex in a web viewer doing just the calendar um, and then drawing the event data from FileMaker. In this case, it was via the XML publishing of FileMaker Server Advanced. And then there's other, been other ones where Flex is the full interface and it's just getting its data from FileMaker. And then there's one coming up with a client where we may be, um, we've proposed and we're waiting on their decision to, to they want an advanced uh, reporting module where they can create custom reports and uh, save them as templates um, and then using Flex to do that. That's pretty neat stuff. So what, the, where I was going with the iPhone question was, like, for specific customers who have specific needs, building something just for them. That, but I guess you could also do kind of that as just a website thing. I guess you can't really deploy... Flex is Flash, so, so it Flex won't work requires with the a Flash player. When is that ever yes. going to come out on the iPhone? <laughs> that uh, was a good you know, question there. Yeah, they didn't really hint whether that was part of 3.0 or not. But uh, I have a feeling it may never come out. Well, never is a strong word, but yeah. I don't... There's a variety of theories as to Apple's motivation. Um, some well, say they Android, think it's too though? slow. Isn't it not on Android either? I actually don't know. That's a good question, but I have. A, I would imagine it is. Um, I don't think it is. I'm not sure. Not, but it may be that it's just too slow. But other people speculate that Apple that Apple thinks it competes with them, and if that's the case, then Apple doesn't. It would look like they're not going to allow it at all. I don't um, think it's an issue of the speed. I think it's an issue of the pervasiveness of what flex can do and the and basically the there's yeah, like a lot it, of other implications of what it does i think part of the thing is it's 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 an application program that would bypass apple's yeah or uh, could controls. be made to do that right yeah so that's a good question um that's that's probably my biggest frustration it's not not a terrible one but it's probably my biggest complaint on the iphone because um it'd be great to be able to deploy flex to it your other question was how you could do a custom solution. Remember, Apple has that program where you can deploy to a hundred, I think, up to a hundred people your apps without going through the App Store. That is, you could authorize up to a hundred iPhones on an app. Right. That's so right. So you could deploy to customers that way. But you haven't done that yet. Not yet. But that would be a really great way to do it for an application for a specific customer where you could actually build something and you can have like a sync a tool that works that way. I kind of expect. FM Web School is going to do something like that with FM Touch, but I haven't seen that yet. It seemed like it had a huge amount of steam up front, and it may be slowing down a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's people out there who are working with it a great deal, but we'll see. I, I'm sure at DEF CON. Well, it just takes uh, the right situation to come along, you know, the uh, the need for a solution like that. 
So Andy, when you're working with Flex, what what is it that's different and um, better about it that you like compared to FileMaker? Are you familiar with it very much? A little bit. I haven't built an application with it yet. Okay. Well, it says. I mean, it is Flash. It's just the Flash Adobe Flash app is uh, or is designed for animation. This one is designed as a programmer's tool, and they've built a whole bunch of libraries, like their own um, interface libraries, similar to Mac or Windows. It's much more of a full programming application. It uses object-oriented programming. It's um, it kind of has no limits in in that term. You can make much more dynamic interfaces where with drag and drop, dynamic resizing, anything you want to do. And uh, the other nice thing about it is it actually uses a XML-based markup language as well for defining the interface, which makes for much more rapid application development. So you can, and it does a lot of the work for you. So mm-hmm. you can just define things like, for example, dividers like you would see in mail on at, on the Mac where you can just drag if you want to see more of a message, you know, where a window is divided into multiple parts and you can resize them as you wish. Right. Flex, you can easily implement that with just a few lines of code in Flex, and then it automatically takes care of the resizing for you. You put the elements inside. They're organized hierarchically, so you just nest the elements as you need. And then anytime you resize it, it, it uh, takes care of it for you. It has just a huge number of things in there for very dynamic, very rich applications. But you would say still that any given application that you could build in FileMaker would take considerably longer to build the same exact thing in Flex. Is that true, basically? In general, it would. But, of course, you have to caveat everything. A simple Mac application, like a simple form, you can, I mean, FileMaker application, you can do very quickly Mm -hmm. in FileMaker. You just drag and drop. Other things, there's some things that would take a lot longer. For example, we we have an ongoing client that had some very sophisticated requirements for the way they did expenses and breaking them down. And I actually use the hierarchy, hierarchical approach there. But mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where you can tell that you're able to work around and make things work, but that you're fitting a square peg into a round hole, that right. you're doing things that FileMaker really wasn't designed to do. Exactly. So and those Flex, are the places you, that it totally makes sense to use another technology like Flex. Right. right. I mean. and, and with it, also you can tell that when you're doing these workarounds, you're right. this really isn't the right way to program this but it's the best way you can do it with this tool. That is, you know, you can get it by, but that you're you're having to do things such as add extra tables just for interface purposes, things like that. Whereas with Flex, you can just do it directly the right way. Just create new objects, move things around, and it's just much more direct and with a much better uh, interface for the for the end user. Cool. So, Jeff, you and I have talked a lot about one of my favorite things you guys have done for the FileMaker community, and that's BizTracker. And last year at DevCon, you released the 2.0 version of that, which had some totally updates for FileMaker 9. Now you're talking about some FileMaker 10 updates. Yeah, we're going to have uh, the V3 out for DevCon and uh, obviously taking advantage of the the very popular new features in FileMaker 10. Uh, script triggers, definitely. Uh, as Andy was saying, we had... Uh, and all of our solutions before FileMaker 10, you had to work into your navigation, any, any housekeeping things or uh, uh, anything that you, you needed a script to take care of, the afterthought of a, of a navigation by the user. So this way we can totally rethink that and uh, allow them to even manually go through the different layouts um, using that uh, ability that's built into FileMaker. And uh, the script trigger takes care of everything that needs to go on the background. So that's cool. definitely a plus. The new subsummary 
capabilities in um, just regular browse mode and a list view. So we'll be adding those to mm-hmm. the list views and uh, being able to sub-summarize by any of the, uh, the column headers. And, uh, you know, that's, that's another great feature, by the way, since I said column headers, a little segue here, that a lot of people miss when they're looking at the biz tracker is, uh, and, and there's a tip file on this uh, on our website as well, and that's being able to do mm-hmm. uh, secondary, tertiary sorting uh, in not only list view, but in the portals. And you do that by, you know, you first click on a column header and it'll sort by, let's say, state. And uh, then you hold down mm-hmm. a modifier key like shift and then click on city. Now it's sorting by state, then city. That's and it, really and cool. And you can extend this uh, for however many columns you have. And the hash marks will appear uh, in the upper right of each column header so you can tell which is the primary, secondary, tertiary sort order. And that has a huge production value for our clients. They really, If you're holding on shift, you can continue clicking on any of those. Uh, secondary and tertiary ones to make them up and down. So the first one could be up, the second one could be down, the third one could be back up in any combination. Right, that's what I meant. Thanks, Andy. Wow. And so that's a really cool feature that a lot of people just, just kind of miss because they're so overwhelmed with everything else that's in there. What's that for tertiary? Quaternary. Quaternary? quaternary I don't know quaternary? after quaternary. I'm, I'm <laughs> tapped out. <laughs> quaternary, that's still, that's one I didn't know. Well, uh, you know, adding a... Uh, an activity table so that you can track activity and, and one of those activities will be uh, sending an email which will make use of the uh, the native send email using uh, STMP and um, maybe some drag and drop we're thinking about you know the uh, the multiple location tab possibly making that a drag and drop so you can just drag and change the order of those four tabs things like that mm, that would um, be cool but uh, you know it's going to remain a great example of best practices and a great framework that is very easily extendable once you understand the, the, the concepts that are at use. They're great examples of using custom functions. One of my plans is to um, overhaul it for using um, script triggers as, a, as just good uh, programming practices, you know, replacing the navigation history where it you know, has the back and forward buttons, You're using script triggers to do that mm-hmm. as opposed to other methods, and just hmm. changing the approach to being more event driven in the behind the scenes programming so cool i'm hoping also you guys implement the search results stuff that i've been working on which i'll make available to you to uh to do that in fact i might even just do the integration that'd be fantastic i'm a big fan of your work even though that sounds like i'm sucking up to the host but i would love to take a look at that Since you guys have established many best practices with BizTracker, and I'm really trying to do that also with a search result with a single-field Google-style search, I'm hoping we can join efforts on that. Yeah, Sounds absolutely. great to me. Absolutely. So I want to take a left turn and ask a question about um, business and the economy, which I guess, Jeff, this is going to be more directed to you. So basically, I want to know how the economy is affecting things, both from talent, from you know the employees that you guys have, and availability and changes in people's lives uh, individually and as a group, and also from clients. What different things are clients demanding of the company? Our existing clients have definitely been spending more money with us and, uh, and taking this opportunity to, to dig deeper trenches and uh, get to a point where when the economy recovers, they're in a much better position to leverage technology, reduce costs, and, and just have, be more profitable and more competitive. New business has been down, though. I think that's a, a matter of, you know, with new business, people uh, you know, have, to, have to be educated, uh, understanding of the process of custom development. And so perhaps they're just a little 
a bit more leery, uh, hesitant, or just adopting a wait-and-see attitude. On the other side of things, uh, we, we're getting more applications than ever. And that's great. We like, we like the fact that, that we draw you know, the talent and uh, we've got a respected name in the industry. So, so that's a good thing. Certainly, there are a lot of developers out there who are, are showing very strong skill set. And then there's others who, you know, they, they're just limited in their experience. So they think they're really good, but they, uh, they actually, you know, don't necessarily have the skill set we're looking for. And we don't just brush them off. I try to give them, you know, here, here's some ways that you can expand your skill set and do better and then come back to us in a year and, and yeah. see how you're doing. Send them to but, John uh, Howell's boot camp. <laughs> actually yes we have we love john howell and i've seen some amazing people come out of that i tell you what yeah there's yeah. a guy in portland named donovan chandler who's a really talented developer who uh is a is a total product of the of john howell's boot camp <laughs> yeah it, it's a terrific process for especially for those people who learn well by example and just want to cut through all of the documentation and and don't really have time to to go to the school of the real world you know yep and uh, so, yeah, that's that's a terrific thing. And I think of all the technologies you're going to learn, FileMaker certainly is the, one of the most accessible and certainly uh, can be very profitable, especially uh, using some of the tips we discussed early in the podcast and just mm-hmm. working smarter and maximizing your time, you know. But like I also said earlier, we're branching out into other non-FileMaker technologies, including integration into the web and, and even web design, uh, which is something we hadn't offered previously, and search engine optimization consultation, things like that. Do you guys do uh, so Savoy work, too? We used to. We uh, we have one project that uh, was sort of a lingering Servoy project that, um, unfortunately, by the time that was ready to, or close to ready to launch, the licensing fees for Servoy had gone up, and it became, it was no longer affordable uh, by our client. So. Wow. We actually, um, because we had recommended Servoy to them and they sort of planned all this, we kind of donated our time to rewrite a significant amount of the software uh, just using straight PHP and MySQL. Just because they had invested so much in the development of what was happening in Servoy that it, we just felt it was the right thing to do for that customer. But in the meantime, we actually have a, a tool that one of our other developers wrote, which... Um, allowed us to temporarily basically run that Servoy code, code without the Servoy engine. So that allowed us to get by while, while we were moving a lot of that code over to the, uh, the open source uh, format of uh, PHP and MySQL. Mm-hmm. That was an unfortunate uh, circumstance. We just did not find it significantly faster once we uh, deployed a solution than, than other technologies out there. So, uh, you know, as any uh, good business owner will do, you have to explore new technologies and see if they're worthwhile. And and certainly Servoy had a lot going for it. Uh, But ultimately, we decided it was not the route to go for us. How many developers are you guys up to now? We have 24, uh, but that also includes three dedicated salespeople. Uh, which is also something unique that sets us apart from the other companies out there. A lot of times uh, customers will call and they get a developer and he says, you know, I'm just finishing up a project, can I call you back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so this this is a, a big plus for us. It's it's one of the reasons why we are successful is because we have dedicated people that know how to talk the talk and walk the walk and they're, they're there just to talk to those prospective customers and answer their questions. So, How many salespeople do you have that lack dedication? 
<laughs> that lack dedication? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You have three dedicated ones. You have to have like at least ten non-dedicated ones, right? Uh, yeah. Where, where are you across the country? Do you have people in different cities? Yeah, we're actually located uh, all over. I mean, we have a virtual office. Now, we, we do work with contract labor, but what we call them is you know, dedicated contingency labor. So they really only do work for us and maybe have one or two kind of side things. But we give them as much work as they want. They can work their own hours in their own home. They just furnish their own equipment. And, uh, and they don't have to go out and find the work. They don't have to worry about getting paid for the work. They just do the work. And they do the best work they can. So it really gives them, uh, if, if they're amenable, uh, amenable to that kind of situation, it really mm-hmm. gives them a great opportunity. But, um, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that you brought up because just recently there was sort of this, um, uh, this shakeup of the uh, FBA. And, uh, you know, we have four partner owners of the company. Mm-hmm. And we, we have four locations. And... Uh, Unfortunately, with the FBA, we're not allowed to list all those locations, primarily because they made a rule change, which said, uh, you know, your main location really can be anywhere, but any satellite locations must be brick and mortar office space, which we find ridiculous in this, you know, time of of green, (laughs) you know. Um, we're a very green company and, uh, you know, I think the objection came up when uh, another company, we'll remain nameless, had actually listed each and every one of their contractors, which is something that we never did. Right. And so somebody blew the whistle and that, that all those listings got pulled. And unfortunately, in, in all of that as well, our extra legitimate, in our opinion, listings got pulled. Mm-hmm. But luckily, there's Fine FileMaker Developers, uh, which is Andy Gaunt's uh, side project. And, and that's proven to be very successful. He's been able to put that together very quickly yeah. and make changes very quickly. And he's uh, very responsive to the needs of the developers. So that's definitely made up for it. But, well, all uh, that's true. But I actually haven't, uh, at least in my business, I haven't gotten new business through Fine FileMaker Developers. Are you actually getting leads from that? We are getting interest. But as I said, new business is down. It's positioned itself. So as the economy picks up, that's going to be a tremendous resource for all developers. What about, um, I'm sure you have Google AdWords and other places like that as well. Those have actually, my Google AdWords that I pay for have actually yielded more leads by far than uh, my FBA listing and my Find FileMaker developers listings combined. Totally agree with that. As a matter of fact, Christo is the uh, cost per click maven, and he's done a lot of research on that and uh, SEO. And so we've, we've done a lot of things to drive a lot of visitors to our site, but also that we have very effective placement of those Google ads. And they they've, are the single best source for new leads for us, definitely. Cool. So what, do you think uh, things are changing? Do you have enough information to see a predictable arc of, uh, of business change for new business and for applications with the economy, or is it just a little too early to tell? Nobody has a crystal ball. Um, it's uh, definitely we're in a drought that's lasted longer than I thought it would in terms of just our own industry. Mm-hmm. But uh, things you know, seem to have bottomed out now. And, you know, we just came through April. So, you know, people are generally hesitant in April anyway because they've just filed their taxes. But, um, yeah, we're starting to get a lot more leads starting to come in. Uh, not as many closes as we would like, but... Uh, like I said, I, I have the feeling that that's going to start to pick up. But you know, 
who knows? I mean, anything can happen. We've got uh, new things affecting the economy all the time. You've now got the uh, the swine flu virus, and so that's going to affect uh, you know, closures of schools and uh, and other facilities. And you know, even the vice president happened to the other day say that his family is not using any public transportation. Well, so now a bunch of people are obviously going to be. Uh, thinking, gee, maybe I shouldn't use public transportation. That's, and that's, that's right that where I'm headed to right after this podcast. It's to take public transportation effect. to work on a project that I'm writing to track swine flu in Oregon. <laughs> what a segue, huh? I know. <laughs> so you're writing antivirus software now, is that it? Anti-retrovirus software. There you go. <laughs> Need a little drum. Yeah. Bucket of fish, as we say. But there, there is going to be, you know, uh, any number of things that come up, and certainly the media loves to heighten uh, the, the 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 scare factor, and and uh, so all those things play into the the psychology of our potential clients. So, you know, there's always going to be something that's going to make them hesitant. But then you have the subset of those individuals who know that now's the time to invest. Now is the time to build up and leverage your technology. Like I said, to be more more competitive. Yep. Well, I've had you guys on for over an hour, and I've enjoyed every minute. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having us, Matt. Glad to be here. <laughs>